0: I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, all we want is for your name to be lifted high. And Lord, we simply ask now that as we study your word, as we look into the message you have for us in scripture. We pray that you would be our teacher, you would be our guide, but ultimately that you would be lifted high. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. When you think of the word timeless, what comes to mind? Timeless. When I think of the word timeless, I think of a few things. I think of a home-cooked meal. I think of music and celebrities like Michael Jackson, who made timeless music. And also, I think about this video about 10 years ago that I saw that someone showed me. It went viral on YouTube And it's by this group called Axis, Axis Awesome, (laughs) Axis of Awesome. And there were these music nerds and they, they made the case that the most popular pop songs were written with the four same chords. So if you wanted to write a pop hit, then the key was to utilize those four chords and play them over and over again in a song. So, there are also timeless chords or chord progressions. But outside of those things, the one thing that stands out to me as something that is very timeless, eternally timeless, is the message of scripture. It never gets old. It never becomes irrelevant or out of date. It stands the true test of time. And this idea of a timeless message is particularly emphasized in chapter 14 of Revelation. And so today, we'll specifically be looking at verses six and seven. This message this morning is entitled Timeless, and it is the beginning of our series on Daniel and the Revelation. And so for the next uh, month or so, Pastor Todd and I will be sharing messages from very classic prophetic chapters of Daniel and Revelation. And by the end, ultimately, we hope that you see a consistent and timeless message or grand theme that God is trying to communicate to us. The book of Revelation has been believed to be a sealed book by some, unable to be interpreted. Others believe it to be simply this book filled with scary beasts and dragons, a a biblical horror story, if you will. Others believe it to be a type of symbolic timeline of the end. But what we do know is that as John the Apostle is drafting and writing this letter on the island of Patmos, and he sends it out to the seven churches in Asia, we cannot miss the most important fact. That this book, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel as well, specifically Revelation, is about a particular man. Chapter one even says that it is a revealing or the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, of course, it's not surprising that he shows up throughout the book and is described by using a variety of symbols. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the rider on the white horse, going out to conquer and conquering. And also, one of the most significant symbols, a slain lamb, the slain lamb. What one will come to discover as they journey through the book of Revelation is that before the book comes to a close, before the book details the end of all things, right in the middle of this symbolic, apocalyptic timeline, there comes a crystal clear, timeless call. A message. A proclamation. It's called the everlasting or the eternal gospel. Look with me at Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, our text of emphasis. It says this. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This message is not simply a message for a select group of people. It's not simply for Seventh-day Adventists, even though this particular passage is at the heart of our theological understanding. This message is for every single person that lives on the earth. Earth Earth-dwellers. This message is for believers and non-believers on every continent across the globe. This message is for every culture, every subculture, every community in every city and town. It's for the poor, it's for the rich, it's for the oppressed, it's for the oppressor, it's for the strong and the weak, it's for the widows and the fatherless, It's for communists, it's for socialists, it's for capitalists, it's for men, it's for women, it's for anyone in between, it's for celebrities and those who lurk in the shadows, to all those who dwell on the earth. This message, this proclamation, this eternal gospel is for you. Because this message is timeless. It is a message that will always be true, and will always be relevant. Fear God, and give Him glory, why? Because the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Now we won't be able to unpack everything in these two verses, even though it's only two verses, there's so much here but we'll focus on how the eternal gospel is qualified or explained by the following statements of fear God and give him glory. So question, what does it mean to fear God? If this is a timeless message, then we should be able to find the meaning of this idea throughout the entire canon of scripture. No, it doesn't mean to be afraid. We'll see as we read what the meaning is. And often, when you're defining terms in the Bible, it is best done through the study of stories, through the study of illustrations or examples of other people's lives. And so we're gonna look at Genesis chapter two to get our uh, definition, if you will, for what it means to fear God. Genesis chapter 22, let's read verse one and two and then I'll summarize a large portion of it as we go along here. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse one, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Woo. Woo. Your son, I want you to notice God's emphasis your son, wait, 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 your only son, and then he names him Isaac, even though he had Ishmael, so we're, we're qualifying Isaac, God is qualifying Isaac, and then he says, whom you love. Don't be mistaken, Abraham, I'm talking about Isaac. Why? I mean, this is a big deal, period, but why is this an even greater deal to Abraham? It's because Abraham waited for 25 years to have a son. God promised Abraham a seed when he was 75. Abraham had Isaac at 100 years old. This is a big test, but look, Watch this. Watch what happens. Look at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I want you to notice that first statement there. Early in the morning so basically the next day abraham gets this this message from god and he's like go sacrifice your son on the mountain that i will tell you and the next morning abraham is up packing to go (laughs) how long does it take us to obey god i mean (laughs) How long does it take me to fold my clean laundry? (laughs) How long does it take to obey God? Abraham was up immediately the next morning to travel to Mount Moriah. And so as he goes, they they travel for three days, and he tells his his servants, when they get to to the landing of the mountain, he tells them, look, we're going to worship. We're gonna go up to the mount to worship And we'll come again. We'll come back down to you. Now, if you ever wondered what righteousness by faith is, there's an example right there. They continue up the mountain. And as they're going, I'm sure it's quiet. Abraham is, you know, twiddling these thoughts in his head, what he's about to do. And Isaac looks around and he asks his father. He says, here's the fire and the wood, but... Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now please don't miss the very obvious but very easily missed point, okay? Of the fact that Genesis, that in Genesis, we're talking about the sacrifice of a lamb and then in Revelation, the slain lamb is the focus of the story. The sacrifice was then made. So as we're trekking through the narrative of the the gospel, the entire gospel canon, the biblical canon, we start with a lamb and we end with a lamb. From Genesis to Revelation, we have timeless themes. They span the entire Bible. I continue with the story. So Abraham responds to his son, my son, God, will provide a lamb. Again, righteousness by faith, and you see it there here in this story. So as Abraham lifts this knife to to sacrifice his son, God calls out from heaven and stops him. Look at verse 11 and 12. Watch what he says, and here's our point here. Genesis chapter 22, 11 and 12. It says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. Watch this. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. We are answering the question, what does it mean to fear God? Well, let's review exactly what Abraham did. When God said, go to Mount Moriah, to sacrifice his only beloved son, Isaac, he went. Full stop. Fearing God definitely means to obey, but we can spell it out even more by saying, fearing God means to live your life in accordance with what God says. I'll say it again fearing God means to live your life in accordance with what God says Jesus said it best when he was tempted of Satan in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 Satan was tempting him and he said look man shall not live by bread alone But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Fear God. This theme, this message is timeless. It's throughout the Bible. You'll start seeing it everywhere. To live your life in accordance with with what God has said. Timeless. But you know what else exists in this way? You know what else exists? and operates on the Word of God. All of creation. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so the creation account continues. Everything that God says happens. Fearing God means living your life in accordance with what God says. Not simply to obey, just to obey, but because you understand who is speaking. The creator of heaven and earth. So when God says that you should honor your father and mother or you shouldn't steal, you do it because you understand who's calling the shots. Initially I thought fearing God and giving Him glory like we saw in Revelation 14 were separate ideas and in a way they are but they kind of run together. And there's another story a very, very weird story. Honestly, I, I never actually understood it until I took a closer look at it these past couple of weeks. Here's the second question. What does it mean to give God glory? What does it mean to give God glory? Because the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every living creature will be giving God glory. What exactly does that mean? Usually when we define the term glory from the Bible, in Exodus chapter 33, we go to the story of Moses. Moses and God, and they're having this exchange where Moses asks God, he says, Lord, please show me your glory. And so God hides Moses in the cleft of a rock And he declares his name, or rather, his glory, his character. In the Bible, a person's name is indicative of their character. It explains who they are. And of course, defining what it means to give God glory is also a timeless message, which is best shown through another story. If you turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel... We will try and answer this question, what does it mean to give God glory? 1 Samuel chapter 6, and as you're flipping or scrolling or clicking, let me give you a little context. It was the time of the judges in Israel. There was no king. It was right before the people of Israel begged for a king. And their relationship with their neighbors, the Philistines, was extremely sour. The Israelites, as usual, would worship false gods. They would worship the false images that the Philistines erected. And then the Philistines would turn around and enslave them and oppress them. So then God would raise up a deliverer and free them. And this happened over and over and over, a continuous pattern. So then, the prophet Samuel is brought onto the scene, as uh, starting as a young boy, where his mother dedicates him uh, to the temple. She goes and prays for a child because she was barren. God gives her a child, the child Samuel, and she dedicates Samuel back to God by allowing him to live and work in the temple. And he works with the priest Eli. So some time later, Israel goes to war with the Philistines, and the Israelites think that it's a good idea to take the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, one of the most sacred pieces of furniture in the temple. They decide to take it out to war with them because they figured, look, if God manifests his presence above the mercy seat of this Ark, they believe that if they took The ark into battle that God's presence would also be with them there and they would win against the Philistines unfortunately for them the exact opposite happened they were beaten horribly (laughs) the ark was captured and both Eli Eli the priest his two sons died and when Eli the priest hears that his two sons are dead he keels over and he also dies so watch this. So while the Philistines had the Ark in their possession, it was not a pleasant experience. They put it in the house of their god, Dagon, the fish god. And when they came to check things out in their temple, they found that Dagon, this, this image, this statue, had fallen over face down in front of the Ark. And then on another occasion, they came in to check again, and the statue had fallen down again, but this time the head was cut off, and so were the hands. Not only that, the Bible says that the people of Ashdod, which is just uh, uh, the, the Philistines, just a tribe of them, they were plagued with tumors all over their body and rodents all over the land. So then this happens. First Samuel chapter six, verse one, it says, the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what we shall send, send it to its place. They wanted to send it with gifts. They said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, Do not send it empty, but by all means, return to him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is the guilt offering that we should return to him? They answered, five golden tumors and five golden mice according to the number of the lords of the Philistines for the same plague was on all of you and on our lords. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and here it is, give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps He will lighten his hand from off of you and your gods and your land. Hmm. Make images of your tumors and images of the mice that ravage your land. Put those in the ark. Give glory to God. What does it mean to give glory to God? Now, be honest. I read this, and I was like, what? What? What did the Philistines do? And here's what I landed on. They acknowledged God by giving back to God what they understood he had given them. Let me say that one more time. We'll flesh it out. The Philistines acknowledged God by giving back to God what they understood that he had given them. By doing that, they were acknowledging not only the existence, but the power of the God of Israel. Write this note down. True worship is giving God back what he's given you God gave you a child Abraham give it back dedicate your child God gave you wealth give it back tithe God gave you food give it back God gave you a family give it back God gave you freedom, give it back. Paul said, I am a slave, I am a bondservant, I am a servant of the living God. God gave his love, give it back. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all of your strength and being. But wait, 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 God gave his life, a slain lamb? give it back give it back the bible says you are to be a living sacrifice god gave you his death he died for you give it back That's what a Christian martyr is. The Bible says in Revelation that these saints, these ones that followed the lamb wherever he went, they loved not their lives unto the death. And because we're talking about glory, because we're talking about the character of God, God gave his image in the beginning, so give it back. His image is his character. Whatever God has given you, give it back. Is it selfish for God to ask that we give him back what he has given us? No. Because this this is a love story. This, this is a relationship. God has given everything, and he desires to have your everything back. What couples do you know where one partner gives 100% and the other gives 50? Are they okay with that? In fact, in America, 50% is actually too generous. What about 10%? Because that's what we usually give God. At the end of time, God commits to those who choose to commit to him. I mean, and realistically speaking, at some point in any relationship, you have to realize that if the love you give someone is not being reciprocated, then you have to move on. And so as the events of society tell us that we're coming closer and closer to the conclusion of Earth's tragic story, to get our attention, God sends out this message to every nation, to every kindred, to every tribe, to every tongue, to every people, every human being on the planet. And he says... Fear God and give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. It's not a new message, it's timeless. The book of Revelation ends with the pages showing us a glimpse of the new heaven and the new earth and those who get to experience that reality will be those who have committed their whole hearts to the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Bible says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man, hasn't even entered into the imagination of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So Abraham, on the mount, feared God and gave glory to him. How? He lived his life on the word of God and through doing that, God transforms him into his image. God crafts and molds his character to look like himself. Faithful and true and full of love. From glory to glory, the Bible says, Abraham gave back to God a reflection of God's image. Through the heating of God, He will change us so that whatever you've received from God, <laughs> you desire to give it back. You can't have one without the other. You can't fear God and not give glory to Him. They go hand in hand everything that God creates this is the reason why they go this this is a cycle this is a system everything that God creates operates in a complete circuit everything comes from God and then also returns back to him it's like the nature cycles we have in this world the water cycle it continues to be recycled over and over the food cycle Etc. Etc. There is a global cycle. There is a spiritual cycle. There, there, God, as the source of all things, gives and also receives. And it's the same with human beings. We give and we also receive. And God desires to continue that cycle. But sometimes, when He gives, there's no receiving back. So when God says to give him glory, he's simply looking for an outpour of what naturally is supposed to come. The everlasting gospel is a message of commitment and love. It's a message, the eternal gospel is a message of a God who went on the cross and gave everything for humanity and at the end of time, desires that those who follow him give everything back. That everything being reflecting his image, his rays across the globe. It's the message of the God of the universe, giving 100% of himself to humanity, giving his life and longing for a relationship with those who desire to give themselves back. We think Revelation has a different message than the rest of the Bible sometimes, but it doesn't. The proclamation of the first angel has been something the Bible has been saying in different ways for a long time. And once you get it, it's kind of like when you buy something new or you buy a new car. And as soon as you buy that new car, you start seeing it everywhere on the road. It's the same thing with this message. When you understand it, you begin to see it everywhere throughout the narrative of scripture. Fear God and give glory to him. This is a message for the entire world. This particular message is timeless. And so as we journey for the next month through Daniel and through the Revelation, you will come to discover that the heart of these prophetic books is the same timeless message. Fear God and give glory to him. My question, my last question this morning is are we giving God back what he's given to us. It's something to reflect on, it's bigger than tithe. God is making a call, he's letting us know what's up before time is up in Revelation. And even in eternity, you'll be fearing God and giving him glory, you'll be continuing this cycle of God being the source, and us reflecting his image. If you're not trying to do that here, in the here and now, there's no way we could do that in the new heaven and the new earth. It's my prayer this morning that we all, under the mercy of God, follow the lamb wherever he goes, And fear God and give him glory.